Welcome to the Care Home Management Magazine uh, Infection Control Podcast Special Roundtable Discussion. Uh, obviously, we're not just going to be talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, but uh, look at how the virus has really affected how care homes are and should be um, approaching infection control. Uh, I'm Steve Hemsley. I'm the publishing editor of Care Home Management Magazine, uh, and this podcast is sponsored by Care Home Marketing Experts, Smooth Digital, helping fill care and nursing home beds with private paying residents. Right, crack on straight away. Uh, I'm joined by four uh, experts in in social care infection control. They are, um, and I'll get them to introduce themselves in a second. Uh, We're uh, delighted to have uh, Philippa Shirkliffe. She's head of care quality at uh, Quality Compliance Systems. Uh, We've got Jamie Whittle. He's technical and innovations manager at Rent-to-Kill Specialist Hygiene. We've got Neha uh, Mehta, head of customer success at Sequoia and uh, Lisa Bainbridge, who's marketing manager at Bowcare Medical. Thank you all for uh, joining us. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Obviously crazy times at the moment for for everybody. Maybe you can tell us how how the whole pandemic is affecting your work and your lives. And and also tell us about who you are and uh, a bit about the company. So uh, Philippa, if you wouldn't mind starting. Hi, I am head of, as Steve said, head of care quality at QCS. Uh, QCS, if you haven't heard of us, um, we produce policies and procedures for care homes, nursing homes, GPs, dentists and domiciliary care and supporting living providers. We've got about 80,000 users of our system and it's an online platform and we support it with a digital mobile app as well. And as Steve said, it has been quite crazy for the last, well, probably six weeks here at QCS. We started self-isolation quite early on. We're not a huge company and we decided that we would all retreat back to our houses. So it's been, uh, it's worked really well for us as a business working remotely. Uh, The tech's worked and we've all been having, been able to keep up to date and keep in touch with each other. Thank you. Jamie? My name's Jamie Woodhall. I'm the Technical and Innovation Manager for Rent-to-Kill Specialist Hygiene. I'm part of Rent-to-Kill Initial. Rent-to-Kill Specialist Hygiene carry out a range of uh, domestic and commercial jobs. And at the moment, a large amount of those are involved with COVID-19 disinfection treatments. We have UK coverage. And right now, I would say we've got the bulk of what we're doing uh, is involved in carrying out disinfection treatments to from the smallest customers in the UK right the way through to some of the very largest buildings and commercial customers there. Okay, thank you. And uh, Neha? Hi, again, as Steve mentioned, I am head of customer success at Sequoia and Sequoia is a digital care planning company. So essentially all of the care documentation and communication that takes place in care homes, it's to be able to present it in an easy format. Uh, It's an app that is available to all of the frontline carers and uh, it's also web-based. My role within the organization is the implementation and onboarding of the care homes and nursing homes onto the digital platform and uh, I also have a background in health and social care managing a couple of homes. Sequoia is I think much like every other company right now working from home entirely and we are across four countries so uh, it has been a challenge to kind of adapt to the new way of working and also be able to support our customers who are primarily uh, in care homes and nursing homes so but I think given the current circumstances we've been able to do it to quite an efficient degree. We're doing a lot of video meetings just uh, on standby, on call, and just kind of trying to ensure that we can provide the best support we can in the current circumstances. Thank you very much. And um, finally, uh, uh, Lisa from Bocare. Yeah, 
Spokane Medical obviously supplies um, care homes, hospitals, hospices across nationally across the UK with medical consumables and equipment, but also hygiene and janitorial supplies, so PPE, a whole host of equipment that care homes use on a daily basis. So the only thing that we don't really supply is drugs and food. So anything else they would need including the servicing side great thank you very much everybody really interesting and as we say very sort of uh, strange times uh, so we're going to sort of debate a few different issues here today i'm uh, going to start with uh, uh, philippa from uh, uh, qcs and um you sort of wanted to maybe speak about good practice here you know what good practice looks like when it comes to infection control generally not just that at the moment around covid19 but just generally uh, and using ppe equipment i mean on, on that point i mean how uh, i assume most care homes would would like to think they are following good practice what, what is what is happening here well i think uh, irrespective of covid19 infection control is an essential part of being a registered provider with cqc or in fact with care inspector in scotland and in wales as well and you know it stems from good hand hygiene staff being trained and knowing how to wash the hands um, how to use PPE, how to make sure that residents or service users understand the importance of infection control and the reasons why staff are washing their hands or wearing gloves and aprons. I think COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic has heightened the importance of, of good infection control and the need to, to go back to policies and procedures and making sure that good practices are in place. So, you know, it, it's always there. It's it's just it's heightened the, the need to make sure that staff understand it and certainly staff follow it because it, you know, it puts both staff and service users at risk if they don't. Yes. And in terms of things like uh, training, I suppose that that's in, in, important. I mean, do you think that there's um, I mean, I assume there is plenty of good training you can do around infection control, but it's 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 finding the time, isn't it, and investing in that yeah. as part of good practice. Yeah, and I think you know the, the current you know because of the social distancing, there are issues with staff getting getting hold of training, and you know particularly where they're doing a classroom approach to training. And I think certainly on a lot of the the care home forums, people are saying, you know, how am I going to train my staff? And there is an awful lot of good e-learning out there, and um, but it it should be coupled with making sure that there are competency assessments in place as well and that managers are assuring themselves that the staff do understand what they are supposed to be doing and are following it as well so there is plenty of material out there I was actually just looking now and you know there are some really great tools to support infection control and individuals things like how to don don and doff uh, PPE as well and what order to do it in which some people are finding quite complicated and get themselves in a bit of a pickle with um, but there are some great videos to watch out there from Public Health England which will support it. Yes and what about areas around sort of um, clinical waste which doesn't get uh, it hasn't really come up in this whole sort of debate at the moment uh, uh, but that is an, an area I mean caring for that at the current time and I mean what's the sort of guidance around? Well, it is very structured and um, there was a there's a document that's been adopted by all four nations in the UK on infection controls in specifically in relation to coronavirus and that is being updated quite frequently and that talks about clinical waste in there and also if you go back to the basics the, the document I was referring to that's being updated is the guidance for infection prevention and control in healthcare settings but the original documentation that CQC benchmark against talks about clinical waste and how providers need to make sure they are following good 
good clinical waste practices. I think there initially was some confusion about how long you were supposed to bag clinical waste for, and it was supposed to be double bagged and left for 72 hours. That advice seems to have changed a little bit, and it, it's resorted, it, it's removed the 72 hours and gives very clear advice now on what you should be doing with clinical waste. Right, thank you. And and, and Jamie uh, Woodall from, from Rentacare, and that whole thing about best practice around PP in particular that must resonate what, what's your thoughts on what philip has been saying it really does and um one of the things that that we need to make sure that uh, we've got in place is a process that allows us to protect not only our customers but also um our staff too we because of the nature of the work very often our technicians are going uh, potentially to three four five different um premises uh, different jobs um a day so we've actually made sure that we've got a very strict process in place um as Philip mentioned there with regards to donning and doffing of PPE, um, all our staff that are going into any potential um, COVID-19 uh, site um, have all gone through specific COVID-19 training. And part of that is making sure that they're aware of the process for donning and doffing PPE, um, the correct process for actually going in and treating an area. And importantly, on exiting, um, leaving a treated site, making sure that everything is um, then going through the correct way streams. Thank you. And uh, Neha, I met her from Sequoia. I mean, from a, t- a tech perspective, care planning perspective, where does that fit? Where does the sort of best practice and, and especially around infection control at the moment and going forward when we do come out of this whole area? But what's, what's your thoughts on, on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's of course, a really important subject uh, with regards to the PPE and especially at this time. And I think what we are trying to focus on from that digital perspective is basically how we can make that information available to the frontline carers in a way that is easy for them to understand uh, and at point of care where they're actually uh, delivering that care. So, of course, there's extensive information out there and there are training tools out there. But the idea is that we also have seen that the Health and Social Care Act 2008 Code of Practice, for instance, on the prevention and control of infections, it's actually a 97-page document. So, you know, how do the staff actually assimilate that extent of information and our focus is really about having uh, management and uh, organizations focus on making that in a way that is easy to read and being able to present it to the frontline staff in an easy manner. What we focus on is basically that regardless of where you are uh, situated, you are able to make guidance available to your frontline staff in an easy uh, manner and whether that includes donning and doffing or various other guidelines, hand washing practices, whatever it may be, the staff can have that at hand basically. Uh, so to, to Lisa Bainbridge at Bowcare. I mean, Lisa, when it comes to good practice, I mean, is there a role for suppliers like Bowcare in sort of helping to promote care homes to have good practice around infection control? I think they're essential tasks that do need it, but there's certain times, you know, so to use aprons and things like that only when it's a necessity. So like washing someone's hair, you don't need to necessarily wear an apron and ensuring that you're not overusing your PPE. I think that helps as well. But oh, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, well, I mean, on that point, overusing. I mean, do you think care homes are pretty clued up on how exactly to use that equipment? What would be a good tip think, on, on that? I mean, is there a good tip on on how to use it effectively? Well, I think example? just trying to use the PPE for essential tasks. So, if you are bed washing somebody, or where bodily fluid is going to hit the carer, then they're the scenarios when you need to use an apron but for general tasks 
having them on all the time in the home necessarily and you don't need to have an apron on all the time yes yeah and just back to you philip on, on this whole question i mean obviously compliance is what we're talking about and best practice uh, do you expect to see a lot of more interest from care homes coming to companies like yourselves after all of this and yeah, help? definitely i yeah. think one of the, the feedback that we had i think initially uh in the very early stages before it was declared a pandemic there was very little guidance particularly for care homes and certainly for domiciliary care there was a real lack of guidance um provide were really struggling uh, a lot of it was for the NHS and they were they were struggling to use what they had and then adapt quickly and there was there was an almost like an information overload but none of it was coming through as practical information and so what we've tried to do is make sure that we we support providers but also making them realize that they actually do have the information there and you know if they follow their own normal practices of you know go back and do a risk assessment do a care plan follow your normal infection control procedures look at how you do barrier nursing and it's going back to the real basics of care that they do day in, day out. But obviously it's heightened and it's a lot faster because of we're getting lots more information and there's people becoming ill and there's pressures of not having the right staff. I think it, there's a risk that people forget that they actually do have those basic that basic infrastructure in place. Yeah. Do you think, Philippa, then that, that, that with the COVID-19, what it has done is maybe exposed any sort of shortcomings in infection control information and support and guidance? It, it has really made people look at this area hasn't it maybe in a way they haven't before yeah and i think you know on the um there was the, there's the pressure on uh, care homes to start taking service users um, and residents back from hospital but traditionally as soon as somebody becomes in, in a care home they'll manage them to a point that then normally the route is to back into the hospital and obviously now hospitals are trying to keep people out of there and putting the, the, the responses you know it's reflecting back into the care homes and nursing homes and staff providers are having to upscale their staff very very rapidly and using tools to recognize you know the soft signs of deterioration because in elderly people COVID-19 doesn't always display in the same way it would do in somebody that's fit and young and healthy so you know there's quite a steep learning curve for providers yes no definitely thank you very much everybody um uh, Jamie on to your uh, question Jamie from uh, Rent to Kill now it sort of ties in nicely about I suppose good best practice and, and sort of cleaning techniques and and what you call sort of contingency prepping for a clean especially around something like COVID-19 can you talk about you know what that means you're having a contingency plan, uh, prep and plan and working with you and and what sort of techniques work best and maybe people aren't aware of, of how they could really improve this whole area yeah certainly so as far as contingency prepping goes this was something that we've been able to to help a number of customers with because of the nature of uh, coronavirus a lot of uh, customers are wanting us to be able to react very quickly should they have any incident on site um, so part of that, one of the things we can do is actually come to site before any reports of um, coronavirus and we can carry out a full site survey to establish um, the size of the site, what's actually present inside, the, the nature of the, the business, taking a number of photos, getting schematics and site plans. And also within that, we'll produce a full risk assessment, uh, method statement and SOP. What that does is it means should you actually then uh, have a member of staff who, who is um, self-isolating and a, a building wants to, to react quickly, we've got all that information already um, to hand and we can get in there and carry out a treatment much faster than would be normally possible. With part of that as well, as far as the, the contingency planning goes, 
Uh, we make all that information available for the customer and we can also make sure that we've got the, the right amount of chemical, um, PPE and importantly manpower to be able to, to react um, for everyone that, that has that as part of their contingency planning. Mm. I mean, how does it work at the moment? But bearing in mind, you know, demand on, on cleaning of care homes with what's going on. You, you say you've got the capacity to, to do that or is this about advising care homes on cleaning techniques themselves that they can do themselves? Well, we carry out disinfection treatments for a number of care homes. And one of the things I would say uh, with regards to, to capacity is this is something that is a very fluid situation at the moment, a very fluid environment. At the moment, we've certainly got capacity and we have PPE and availability of um, chemical to come in and carry out disinfection treatments. Right. OK. We, in, in terms of cleaning techniques, so there are different ones, aren't there? I know we, we talked before we came on air about different things like fogging, for example, which people listening might not have heard of. Um, are we seeing new techniques being used in the current uh, situation or is it about, you know, as experts, you know what works well and it's just about, as you say, making sure care homes are aware of that and, and planning for, for what, what techniques they need to use? So as far as techniques and treatments go, the most effective way of applying a disinfectant to a surface is to wipe that surface down following, uh, following manual application. Now, we do carry out fogging treatments. It's a good way of applying a, an amount of disinfectant or an amount of chemical to a large area um, in a relatively short space of time. And when we're talking about some of the, the customers' buildings that we come across, um, if we're talking about um, care homes, they can be quite large facilities, quite large buildings. But what we make sure is that the, the common touch points within that building, uh, the communal areas, any areas w- that we think as part of that initial contingency planning could be a, a real heightened risk of cross-contamination, then we'll make sure that we, uh, you know, we, we go to the nth degree when it comes to, to cleaning those surfaces. Yeah, and Neha, when it comes to sort of planning and, and, and communicating, I suppose, what the techniques are, making sure everybody is aware of any contingency planning and prepping that's happened, uh, what's the role there, do you think, of the digital tech and, and, and generally in, in, in communicating what needs, needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's uh, working on various fronts. So there is the part that we've discussed, which is about, of course, making the guidance available to the frontline carers. But then there is also, as Philippa said, about carrying out the assessments and then making sure that those outcomes of those assessments are actually implemented and following through that entire circle to make sure that, you know, those things are actioned and then feedback is received on those. So I think that's kind of where we step in because we're trying to make that a seamless process where we provide the guidance, but we also ensure that they have the assessments there to be able to carry out infection control audits, for example, and then to be able to set tasks based on the outcomes of those audits so that we can see that it is actioned all the way through and make sure that that information is then communicated to all of the frontline staff and it's really about I think closing that circle uh, that's quite important. Yeah Lisa at uh, Bocare so Jamie's there talking about prepping and having a contingency plan in in place Uh, I mean again is is there a role for sort of suppliers to help with that? I think definitely I think again we can go out and talk with care homes to ensure they've got the right chemicals um, within the home for cleaning services. We've got a care clean essentials range, which is specifically um, manufactured and formulated for cleaning in care homes to ensure that every area, so either your kitchens, dining rooms, all the surfaces are clean to the highest standard and using that, using those products correctly. 
um, and ensuring that the application is done correctly because some chemicals, you know, they take a 30 second contact time to be effective and then they need to be wiped off with the cloth or other chemicals don't need to be wiped off with a cloth. So again, it's ensuring that their staff in the care homes know exactly how to use the different products yes and philippa on, on that point you know assessment compliance here around sort of cleaning and what what's what what are you seeing that's happening um i think you know providers are managing to do it i think that there are challenges in terms of managing in relation to coronavirus for people for, for example with dementia where they're trying to maintain their normal infection control precautions mm. in homes but it's really difficult when people with dementia because they they're not necessarily understanding why their routines are changed, why they can't see their family, or why they may need to be self-isolating in the rooms. What we've been trying to do is to, to make sure that staff, have, you know, providers have information on how they can manage infection control in that, those kind of circumstances. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, back to you, Jamie. When you're, when you're contingency planning or prepping, what do you say to the care home providers in terms of how they should um, you know, advise and, and work with residents who might, who might not be clear what's going on around a, a deep clean? Yeah, I, th- I think a big part of it, as you say, is reassurance. Now, a good, you know, one of the, the real good elements about a contingency plan is that we can come in and get a lot of the information that's required should there be an outbreak of um, COVID-19 without having to come in with full PPE respirators like we would if there was actually um, an incident on site. So it's it's just like having um, any other visitor to the, to the building as part of that contingency um, plan. Obviously, when it comes to the treatment side of this, that's a bit different. And any treatments we would work with the care home management to make sure that the areas that we need to get to, any arrangements can be made to make sure that we can get full access to there if we're applying chemical. Because we will need to be in PPE, we'll need to be using uh, Tyvek overalls and full face respirators. But we can work with care home managers and care home man- uh, management teams to make sure that that's done in the least stressful way. And is, is the care home sector obviously one of the sectors that Renticles involved with? Are there that whole the fact you've got people living there, etc. Does that make it a slightly different uh, different task compared to maybe other sectors? Is it quite unique in some ways? It can be. And I think one of the challenges that, that we face with that is, let's say if we had a, a commercial office building, for example, uh, one of the things we can do is if that building's been uh, closed down for a period of time, we can then go in and we've essentially got the full run of the building to carry out a treatment. Now that's clearly not possible um, within the care home sector. So yeah, to reiterate, I think it's important that that uh, we can work with care home management to be able to do that. And if we need to get to certain areas at a certain time um, and arrange our working day um, or our working schedule around that, then we absolutely can. Great. Thank you very much. Hi, Richard. Hey, Johnny. How's it going? Uh, Richard, not the best. I'm still struggling to fill the empty beds in the home. Oh, no. Have you given the guys at Smooth Digital a call? No. Could they help? Sure, they help care home owners like you and me fill our beds with private paying residents. They can market you online on Google and Facebook. Oh yeah? I better give them a call. You'll be crazy not to, Johnny. I've built up a waiting list working with Smooth Digital. Just go on Google and search Smooth Digital. S-M-O-O-T-H. 100% Smooth Digital. You're a lifesaver. Well, welcome back to the Care Home Management Magazine Infection Control Special Podcast Roundtable. Joining me today are Philippa Shirtcliffe, Head of 
care quality at Quality Compliance Systems. Uh, Jamie Woodhall, Technical and Innovations Manager at Rento Kill uh, Specialist Hygiene. Uh, Neha Mehta, Head of Customer Success at Sequoia. And Lisa Bainbridge, Marketing Manager at Nationwide Care Home Supplies Company, Bowcare Medical. Uh, now on to your question, uh, Neha. Uh, now we've touched on it, but uh, you were going to talk in more detail about the importance uh, of communicating effectively to frontline staff. Yeah, I think it's a it's especially important point considering everyone is socially isolating, and you know it's hard to kind of have those common practices being filtered down. Um, I think we've spoken a little bit about the care services, of course, maybe not having enough guidance to begin with, not having time to adapt to this new change, working under really challenging circumstances, being short-staffed, and also working with complex service user groups. So I think our initial approach when when this began was we we sort of wrote to all of our customers to say that we were here on standby and we were here to assist. But I think we quite quickly realized that actually the care services probably don't even have time to reach out for help externally, you know, and we then started to think of other ways in which we could support them without them having to ask for that help. Um, I think we introduced a couple of initiatives on our end from a digital perspective. And one was, of course, making the government guidance available. And uh, also MenCap had done a wonderful, easy read format of it. And just uh, uploading those into the instructions of uh, of the customers that are, of course, using uh, Sequoia so that they were able to access that information on the front line and they had that available. A couple of other things we did was uh, introducing the COVID symptom check, for instance, which was made available from NHS and making sure that that assessment was available to the frontline staff so they were able to detect whether it was for visitors or the service users or the staff and be able to carry out that assessment to be able to say, is this something we need to kind of medical attention for? One other thing that we found quite useful was that when we started to speak to other people, people in the sector. There was actually some really good information out there. There were some homes that had some really good practices in place. There were some social care consultants that had actually quite quickly uh, prepared contingency plans for COVID-19 and, you know, risk assessments and other information was available. However, there wasn't a place where um, everyone was able to access it. So we created a support portal on our website and it was a dedicated portal for COVID-19 where everyone was able to share best practice and then all of the services were able to access that if they needed anything from that. So I think that has really helped in kind of being able to keep the communication in these times. Yeah, that's an important point, isn't it? Being able to gather feedback and not, you know, you're communicating, but not just obviously talking at or to the, the carers, but actually getting their feedback and then using the tech to do that. And as you said, it has to be a quite a simple, easy way to, um, to convey the information. Absolutely. And um, in terms of um, uh, audits, infection control audits uh, and how they're carried out regularly, all of this has to be done and with tech. Do you think a lot of care homes, it's, I suppose it's as part of their digital transformation at the moment, isn't it? They are getting their head around all, all of this because the idea is to make things simpler for them, is it? I mean, but do you find it difficult to to get them to maybe adopt the technology or understand it or want to learn about it? It's much more a mental barrier than it is mm. actually a practical one. And it's just, uh, you know, for people who haven't used technology or perhaps there are some care services that may have used some sort of archaic systems in the past, which were quite complicated to navigate and they are reluctant to kind of you know embrace the technology whereas I've seen quite a lot of good systems out there now which are very intuitive very easy to use and a lot of people uh, are using smartphones these days so they're just like 
any other simple app on your phone. And it's just about kind of having that conversation, allowing them to kind of have a play around with it and for them to realize that actually this is something that would save them a considerable amount of time. It would also ensure that, you know, they have all of the information that they need in being able to provide care to their residents. And this is, of course, not just in this specific situation, but overall on an ongoing basis. Yes. And and Philippa, I mean, when you talked at the start about uh, uh, best practice and guidance and here we're talking about communicating that to everybody within the care home environment uh, what would you say about the, how maybe technology is sort of changing that and having these sort of uh, digital answers and options yeah i think for us it's it's been about try, keeping up with what what the the agenda is and it's literally changing hour by hour as um Niha said we we've had to adapt really quickly people haven't got time necessarily to read full-blown policies and need it uh, chunking up so we created fact sheets easy reads we've given them away free on our um through our website um and through our social media platforms because there's such there was such a need for the information from a reliable source it means that we we've had to be really really agile and responsive uh, um you know the feedback we've had has been really positive and i think you know we need to keep continuing to do that and being able to support providers because you know on the front line it is so challenging and uh, at least at Bocare, uh, the, the importance of being able to communicate and having a good flow of information from the top to the carers, etc., in a care home that around PPE or infection control generally, what, what do you think? I think Bocare as a company, we obviously provide resources for flyers, posters, which help communicate how a carer or staff in a care home should be using the PPE also literature on how to wash your hands properly above all hand washing stations or stickers on dispensers and things like that all help to ensure that staff know exactly how to do a task or how to undertake the use of the PPE the more we can communicate the better yes and 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 Jamie I mean when you talked earlier about contingency prepping what's the role of technology in 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 that really from from both you know the advice you're giving and care homes able to to use tech to help them prep and one of the things we've had to do is make sure that anything we put in place from the outset we could actually make sense of a large amount of data coming back internally within the company and we've got a process set up to do that the only guidance i would give with regards to technology for for counts um themselves would essentially be the you know use what you have at your fingertips already the the information the advice that's coming through as uh, as philippa and Nihar have both mentioned there there's so much misinformation that it's important to have reliable sources over and above that the the information that we collect as part of that contingency planning uh, we'll make that available to to any care home that, that we um, provide that contingency um, service for yes and Nihal, just back to you i mean this technology is it moving quite fast i mean i'd like to maybe i don't know specifically for infection control can you see other ways that technology might be able to help or with either with your tech or just generally is is it quite a fast moving area or is infection control one of those areas that maybe you know tech is not always the answer infection control i think uh, even before covid-19 has always been a focus point in in care services so it is definitely uh, an important area for us from a digital perspective in terms of being able to see how we can cover it now of course there's a practical aspect to it in terms of the things that need to be done but there is a great information aspect to it as well as we've talked about and i think that is is where uh, we have tried in various ways 
to be able to complete that loop. So ensuring that they have that information presented to them in an easy way to all of the frontline staff so that if something is updated, if you have an assessment that's updated, if you have a procedure that's updated, you're able to make that change quite quickly so that it can be communicated to the frontline staff in a matter of minutes and everyone is up to date with what they need to do and how they need to do it. And that can be very specific and very bespoke to each service user. So yeah, of course, providing the guidance, making sure that the assessments are carried out. And again, these assessments, they can take long periods of time to complete sometimes when they are on paper and then for them to implement the outcomes. So I think the technology definitely helps in that regard because they're able to carry out those assessments in a quick and efficient way, but they're also able to then quickly put measures in place that need to be put in as a result of the outcome of those assessments. And then they're able to communicate that information down to the frontline staff, but also, as we said, able to then have feedback from the staff. So the staff are immediately able to feedback on that practice and say, okay, this is something that's working, or this is something that we might need to have changed. And then that best practice can be put in. Well, thank you, uh, Neha. Now over to you, Lisa uh, from Bocare. Uh, you, you've chosen to talk about um, whether all of this, the COVID-19 sort of pandemic, really make, should make care homes think about putting infection control planning higher up their their agenda there's been a lot of talk about the PPE uh, equipment shortage uh, what is going on I mean, and do you think we will see it put further up the agenda and, and do you think it, it needs to be I think going forward it'll definitely be a higher priority especially in the social care sector because there's a lot of home care workers that are struggling to actually solve PPE I don't think that the media are really helping the situation because they're obviously broadcasting that there's a UK shortage, but I think therefore it just gets other companies on the back of manufacturing mm. and the raw materials are then escalating in price, which therefore makes those products unaccessible or too expensive for certain care providers to purchase. If we continue to raise concern that there isn't enough, the product just escalates, which is what we saw with the alcohol gel, you know, people selling it for £50 an 80ml bottle on eBay, that sort of thing. It shouldn't be happening because, you know, there is enough stock to go around. Companies are double and triple ordering what they would normally buy on a weekly basis. So what we've tried to do is say, you know, we have got a constant supply. There's, there's no need to panic. But if you, if we create this panic buying, then there won't be enough stuff. Yeah. When we come out of this, do you think care homes will look to order differently? Do you think it will change their relationship with suppliers in terms of so they, they don't avoid um, shortages themselves? They'll maybe hold more stock themselves? I, I don't know. You I think... In terms of certain products like alcohol gel, I think there needs to be a lot more awareness of rather you rather than using bulk fill products to be using automatic systems so that there isn't the transfer of infection. So that would be an automatic dosing unit. So I think a lot of care homes will go on to products like that rather than using a five litre drum to fill up a general hand dispenser because obviously there's the risk of transfer when you're touching the button for it to dispense sort of thing so I think a lot of care homes will increase their stock that they are holding potentially because that's the thing when there is a pandemic or an epidemic we don't we're not don't necessarily have the foresight that this is going to affect our supplies so yes I do think 
they will hold more stock potentially. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I mean, Philippa, hearing uh, Lisa there uh, regarding stock and, and putting infection control higher up the agenda, uh, what's what's your thought? Yeah, I think certainly around infection control, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But infection control, should end, it's, it's an important part of the governance of an organisation. And, you know, it, it's built into the Health and Social Care Act. So providers should be making sure that it's high up on the agenda whether other things in the past have taken priority it, it varies from provider to provider but i think you know i think if we when we look back once we get a bit to the other side of this things aren't ever going to be the same again and i think providers what i hope we will see is that providers have certainly in social care a stronger voice and to be able to say, actually, um, we need to make sure that we have the equipment and uh, the correct procedures to be able to be accessing the same equipment that the health sector gets so that they do have a good supply. It's one of the biggest issues. I was on a forum today and they are desperately, desperately short of PPE. Um, they're, they're trying to source it themselves. They're, they're not when they are getting it, they're not getting enough. And, you know, some of them are, are buying getting hold of 300 at a time, which is only going to do them for a day or two days for the large providers. And they are desperate and they, they do feel like they're putting their staff at risk and obviously their service users as well. So I think, you know, infection control does need to be higher up on the agenda and it needs to stay up there as well. Yes, Jamie, um, on that point, I mean, do you think we, we will see in future then, you know, make sure there is enough stock of PPE in case this happens again? It is, of course, everybody on the in a by surprise and it's frustrating there isn't enough equipment do you think we will see a different emphasis on investment in that and on that whole question about infection control being higher up a care homes agenda what, what do you think taking ppe first i think absolutely it, you know it will be a, a different world on the back of this um, when it comes to ppe and people's awareness um, of what ppe and rp actually is in the first place I think there's also going to be a better awareness of what's required and having that process, having that availability for likes of care homes to get hold of what is required is absolutely vital. As far as infection control and, um, and people's awareness goes, I think one of the things that we've noticed as this has all started is one of the things we're now putting in our contingency surveys. If we can talk to customers and make them more aware of what it is that we would need to do, um, should we need to carry out disinfection treatment for coronavirus, um, then one of the things that comes out of that is the need to, to maintain as uh, a workable environment. If care home managers can be thinking, if I have to shut, my, you know, shut this area off now, and it needs to be disinfected, what's going to be present, what's going to be lying around, what can I actually do to help out with that process? And I think that is one of the things that, that certainly can be, can be factored into any contingency planning. It's another aspect for me, it's just, it's probably a very good time just to review the, the controls that are present in any uh, facility, in any um, property in the country. What is it that we actually have in place right now to, to, to stop or to slow down potential cross-infection. Yes, definitely. And uh, Neha, I mean, in future then, when people are looking to invest in digital tech for their planning, um, they are going to be thinking more about infection control. So do, do you expect it will it will be mentioned more in the discussions that Sequoia has with, with care homes? Yes, definitely. I think it will be. And I think, uh, yeah, like we're saying, in hindsight, there will be lessons that will be learned from this and infection control will definitely, I think, for a while, uh, dominate the conversation and will therefore uh, inevitably be a focus point. But I think the challenge will be to keep it there. And I think that's the important thing. And then 
also talking just a little bit about the PPE. I mean, it's, um, of course, it's widely reported in the media, the shortage of PPE, but I think that the onus of that, again, it doesn't just rest with the care services. It is, uh, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed at a much higher level because we've been seeing that there's, they've reported there's 58,000 care services that need to receive PPE and that's healthcare services, GPs, pharmacies, um, NHS trusts, of course. Um, and to be able to make that level of PPE available at such short notice is, uh, you know, has proved to be a mammoth task for them. And they've said that now, I, I think as of yesterday, they said the GPs and the pharmacies had received it, whereas the care services mm. have or will shortly receive their delivery. And I think that is really a point of concern because it is a time where, you know, the infection is spreading rapidly. Yes. Uh, Philip, I mean, on that, uh, do you think in a weird way, though, this has sort of helped to raise the profile of social care, which is always trying to, you know, show it's not the Cinderella service. It needs to be treated the same as the NHS uh, with what's going on and the vulnerable groups for this particular uh, pandemic. Do you think in a way it has helped social care to maybe fight its corner and, and show its importance? Definitely. And I think if you go back and look at the the news articles from mid beginning mid-February where there was all the stuff about unskilled workers yeah. and suddenly there was the switch and, and I think social care have, have worked really really hard over the years to raise the profile and I think you know I'm hoping that one of the positive outcomes from the COVID uh, pandemic is that social care is on the same footing as health. There has to be some positives come out of coronavirus. I think mm-hmm. that working together with health will be will be a hopefully a positive that comes out of this and where we've strived for years for collaborative working. And I think, you know, coronavirus is, is starting to show that they, the two have to work together. Yeah, Jamie, on that point, any positives that are going to come out of all of this, do you think, when it terms of, you know, better infection control, better view on, on the importance of social care? Big one for me um, that will come out of this is just that raised awareness about the need to follow, you know, relatively simple um, processes that we take for granted, but the amount of people now that are talking about washing their hands for 20 seconds whilst singing happy birthday twice in the, you know, the wider population um, is quite significant. Now, within a care home environment, there's very set processes and, and procedures in place, but you're only as protected as the next person that walks through the door. I think having a, a greater awareness in, in society as a whole about the need to maintain good hand hygiene and our own you know, domestic infection control, that will have an impact um, on the care sector because you're then helping prevent um, people coming in who could potentially reinfect residents or workers there and just quickly back to you lisa i mean are there any risks for supply though if um i don't know people in your warehouse your office go sick and aren't able to help with the supply of the ppe equipment etc i know you're the marketing manager and even you're having to help out in the warehouse it's 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 full on there isn't it i mean are we uh, th- there won't be any problems you think i think going forward we probably do have enough staff to rotate you know we're on at the moment a lot of the office staff they're on seven till seven and it's a seven till one shift and a one till seven shift so we're managing to cover the phones and the office that way it's not our usual numbers in the office but we are finding it's working in this current period and then in the warehouse we have an early morning shift and a late night shift we all realize that it's all hands on deck and we've all got to help each other really and we are having to work extra hours in the current time just to you know get get stuck out the door basically because 
we honestly we can't let care homes down yeah excellent thank you very much uh well that's about it thank you for your time everybody um that's been really really interesting hope people listening have found it as interesting as uh, i have so i'd just like to say thank you to our panelists uh philippa shirtcliffe head of care quality at quality compliance systems jamie woodall technical and innovations manager at rent to kill specialist hygiene uh, neha uh, meta head of customer success at sequoia and uh, lisa bainbridge marketing manager at Beaucaire uh, Medical. Thank you very much to all of you. Um, hopefully uh, you've found that interesting sharing um, sharing your, your sort of insights. So thank you very much. Uh, you've been listening to the Care Home Management Magazine Infection Control Podcast uh, with me, Steve Hemsley, and sponsored by Smooth Digital. Please uh, always look out for our regular um, podcasts. In the meantime, please stay safe. Thank you. Mm-hmm.